Hello, and welcome to Stampede Insights, a podcast created to give you a behind-the-scenes look into what's happening at Stampede. I'm Brock Furlong, President and CEO, and on each podcast, Stampede team members will get together to chat about new and interesting things at Stampede, in the food service industry, and of course, in their own lives. Thanks for joining us. Welcome everyone to Stampede Insights, another segment of Stampede Insights. I'm here with Chris Harbutt. He runs all of our operations here in uh, the Chicagoland area um, and is actually pretty instrumental as part of the leadership team in, in guiding our overall strategy as a company. Um, this week we turned 26 uh, as a company. Um, of course, all the great things we'd planned to celebrate in, uh, <laughs> in our 25th year kind of got put on hold due to COVID. Uh, so be it. Uh, I guess it is what it is. Um, but it's still another major milestone, 26 years. Um, potentially even more important, I think, maybe than maybe the 25th because we had to survive COVID in our 25th. And, you know, that was, uh, and, and not survive, I guess, but continue to navigate those, you know, and we, and we still today continue to navigate the challenges that are associated with the pandemic and what it's throwing at us. So, Chris, let's start. Though with assuming that because not everybody in the organization knows you obviously as well as I do or, you know, the people you work directly with uh, here in the company. So is that okay if I start maybe more personal? Get yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I don't have nothing to hide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how's your sex life, Chris? <laughs> oh, wait. Jack, cut it off. <laughs> <laughs> that we're not talking about. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, tell us about Poland. Because uh, the, the town you're from um, and when you came over here to the United States. So what I got to say is, first of all, I want to say thank you for inviting me to this, you know, and it's a pleasure for me to do this kind of a presentation. You know, I hope everyone will uh, understand what I say because uh, that's my weakness. But as far as Poland, uh, Poland is a country in Central Europe. It's size of uh, New Mexico or twice as bigger than Illinois State. Okay. So, you know, people can visualize uh, how big that country is. And then I was, I born and grew up in the south side of Poland where mountains are. So I'm, I am Highlander. Uh, Highlander, <laughs> so yeah. Highlander. Highlander, yeah, yeah. That's how they call us. Yeah. And then, you know what? Uh, I was, I grew up in the, uh, when communism was pretty active. Okay. So that was the main reason why I want to do something with my life because I haven't seen future there in that system because my opinion that system is pretty bad and do good that it ends because um, as soon as I leave my country uh, that ends so now it's different system much better system but that was the main reason why I came here okay. and decided to came here yeah is it uh, what's your you know what's the what's the fondest memory that you have of Poland growing up in Poland the funny bit, uh, <laughs> the, f- the thing that people were doing sometimes, I would say maybe not crazy, but funny thing, because if you want to buy a part for your, let's say, tractor, yeah. you couldn't get it. So you have to come up with your own idea how to kind of like uh, replace uh, this wheel with the uh, wheel with other, you know, uh, tractor oh and gosh, so yeah. sometimes you see some funny things you know around you when you see because you go to the store and you see nothing but vinegar on the shelves yeah and just you know at the uh the uh, person who was working there say that's what we got offered to for you today so that that was the uh you just have to figure it out exactly you know, how oh, people wow. are 
So that's crazy. That's how it was. Yeah. Now, when yeah. you arrived here, I think you told me once that you didn't really speak any English. What was that like? Uh, it was tough. It was tough. But you know what? On the other hand, I would say that I was lucky. And I'm lucky because you know what? I have people on my way who understand that. And then uh, they were very understandable. And then uh, and that helped me a lot. And then they still are uh, uh, helping me with this and with this weakness because the end of the day is kind of like weakness you know <laughs> but I, I don't view it as such you might view it as such i don't view it as exactly such. but you know i i met great people and i still meeting them which you know are very understandable that must have been scary as crap though to come like get on a i don't know whether you went on a plane or whether you came on a boat uh when you came over plane. like <laughs> plane like was that not scary getting on a plane and just thinking i'm leaving my country potentially forever and starting new somewhere else or no it was but you know on the other hand you saw that movies because that's what i was kind of like i remember uh u.s movies they said oh that's how it is over there so you're going to that you know different and much better land and you got future over there you know so that's what offset that you know because okay. definitely you know you you are going kind of like you don't know how it's gonna be no now, when you got here, you actually started your career in the in the meat industry, in the protein industry, with uh, a company called Reimer Meats. Why did you pick? Why did you pick Reimer? Because the family who brought me in here, they work in the industry. Okay. My uncle was uh, was uh, running the uh, Reimer Foods. Actually, you know, he was he was a vice president of operation out there. Okay. And they, you know, when I asked that I would like to work, he offered me a if you wanna, you can come, you know, on a board and working Reimer food so that's that was the and then I thought that's gonna be you know for a short time but end up be a few years you know <laughs> yeah yeah now 26 years ago which we talked about at the beginning here when I introduced the this segment uh was when uh, uh yesterday actually was when the Ligas family officially started mm -hmm. Stampede Meat but I gotta believe given your uncle was kind of you know, pretty critical in starting it up that you probably had a little bit of an inkling of what was happening before it occurred. I can't, I, I don't know whether you started day one or day five or day mm -hmm. 30. Did you know what was happening and you are, had you already made your choice that you needed to come and join here? I, I heard some rumors, yeah. but uh, not direct from them. From Direct from them, from actually from Ed, who called me like a week before they got key uh, f to the plan. Uh, he called me, he said that he wanted to talk. So, um, when we met, this is when I found out that they are planning to open Stampede. Uh, prior to that, I, I didn't know. You know, people were saying some rumors, but yeah. that was just nothing concrete. Nothing concrete. No. So how did that conversation go with Ed when he talked to you about coming here to Stampede? Uh, so, you know, he said that, you know, they, that's what they are going to do, and they, they would like to have me, you know, work uh, with them, and then kind of like a start from the scratch. And ask me, he asked me if, if I'm okay to go with them. And I said, yes, you know, uh, I said, uh, I said yes without even thinking. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with. And then, you know, on <laughs> the way home, I was thinking I did the right d decision, right? And over time, you know, looked like my intuition didn't disappoint me. Yeah, it didn't disappoint you. No, I think you made a really good choice, a really good choice. What was your first role, the first position you had at Stampede Meat, describe that role and and then maybe your subsequent roles, your journey, if you will. Uh, so my first role, I came as a right away as a supervisor, uh, and I was running the uh, slicer 
line we were slicing ribeye we were slicing uh, new uh, neuro strips and then you know uh, we add another line which was top sirloin line it was kind of more like hand cut line and then that's um, what we were processed there so I start with I would say maybe five people okay. having one vacuum machine then we end up like uh, maybe 55 um, and then in 2003 you know Ed and Joe call me you know to call meeting and they told me that they are planning to build a new building new plant and that they see me as the uh, managing that plan as a as a you know production manager that's how they view me out there if I be okay with this so same thing you know I say okay no problem you know I'm with <laughs> <laughs> later on I was a little bit thinking because you know new plan maybe new responsibility uh -huh. if I gonna be able to handle this and you know here I got my own world I know how to do it you know yeah. even with my closed eyes uh, I know how to uh, run my department that that was something different something so something bigger but you know uh, then we move in here and I took that role and I think I was doing decent <laughs> and then and then in 2000 I think it was 2011, beginning of 2011, Ed and, and Joe called, you know, few of us, uh, and then, you know, they promote us to be a VP, and a year later, management changed, and this is when, uh, under new management, my opinion, a company, you know, accelerate with development a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. Was that a was that a scary transition for you when that all happened? I think no. I think I view this view this more positive because then I kind of like start feel more a little bit like I could make some independent decision. I was able to kind of like share certain things with with uh, with the with the management was was different. I would say, you know, bad, good, more like positive way. Yeah. Uh, I view it, you know, today. So it this isn't on the this isn't i haven't told you i was going to say this but um do you remember the conversation that you and i had saturday afternoon right after the transition happened down in your office uh, you probably don't i remember it like it happened yesterday do you remember it i remember different conversation maybe two weeks later uh but that not, 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 not you don't really. remember the Saturdays? Mm -hmm. so don't you remember like when we brought everybody in here to the main office and mm -hmm. we we're talking? Mm -hmm. that, that I remember. Remember that? Yeah. And then, and then I came downstairs. Mm -hmm. After everybody left, I came downstairs because you, when you left the room, you didn't look mm -hmm. like yourself. Mm -hmm. And I came down. It was a little shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you had your hands like plastered on your face uh -huh. and you were sitting over your desk like this when I came in. And I knocked on the door. I said, uh, Chris, is it okay if I come in? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I came and I said, uh, like, you don't, you, you seem upset. You don't seem like, you know, I, I, I get we, we covered a lot. There's a lot of emotion in the room. Like, mm. what's going on? And you remember what you said to me? No. <laughs> you said, well, you're going to fire me. <laughs> and I said, and I can remember, like, I know I was shocked. Look at my face. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm going to fire you. Well, you're going to fire me because I'm part of the family. Like, like I, I, I don't have a job. I know I'm not going to have a job. I said, <laughs> do you remember what I said to you? I no, said I won't hold I won't hold you being uh -huh. Polish against you as long as you don't hold me <laughs> you don't hold it hold it against me that I'm Canadian. <laughs> That's what I said to you as I walked out. And I said to you, so as long as you perform, as long as we deliver yeah. together, 
I, you know, you'll have a job as long as you want. I think we did, yeah. And yeah. we did. Yeah, it was funny. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. I won't hold you. I won't hold it against you yeah. that you're Polish. If you I won't hold it against in, me that I'm Canadian. <laughs> I was in in Shack, so I I not remember many yeah. things from that. Yeah, day. I remember that. <laughs> I think I drank pretty heavily that late, that night. There was a because lot of uh, <laughs> see, like in your case, you you had some knowledge what's coming. Yeah. For for me, it was like like you know yeah. like huge difference. You, you know, know how much knowledge I had of what was coming? One week. <laughs> that's yeah. one week the board one week oh, before they did that the board yeah, talked to me exactly yeah. that's all i had so i was still scrambling trying <laughs> to figure out why am i doing this yeah, this is yeah, crazy yeah. uh so now uh you you speak three languages now um uh and as long as, well maybe four if vito's taught you italian i don't know because i know you guys russian oh russia because i have to um uh, learn the language during the during the active camera so you speak Poland. four now but that that one i forgot because i don't practice oh because you, you don't practice practicing russian. probably be, uh, you know still remember, you had the was it mandatory you had to learn mandatory, russian you, you have to and they oh. put a lot of pressure on this this language you couldn't if you don't if you don't do decent with that language you forget about via at higher level oh, okay yeah, be yeah, able to advance mm, and that sort of thing uh, you have to oh interesting but largely you're all self-taught you're self-taught on English. You're self-taught on on Spanish. Um, like I'm. By the way, I can't. Like I speak a little bit of French. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm supposed to be bilingual because that the same mm-hmm. pressure that you had for mm-hmm. Russian and in, mm-hmm. in um, uh, when you're in Poland that we have the same uh, pressure to be fluent in French. Uh, but I'm terrible at languages. Like awful. Like mm-hmm. awful. Like I just it. It's not a strength of mine. I I have mm-hmm. great difficulty doing it. But you've learned. Well, four, but three that you speak <laughs> now. How do you do that without any training or? I think the, the first thing, you know, y- y- first, you have to want to do that. Second, you know, you have to be patient. And maybe thirdly, you have to listen to the people. And I think that's about it because, uh, you know, um, as I men- mentioned to you that I learned Russian. So I have some kind of uh, practice how to do it. Okay. You know, the, 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 the toughest thing is the second language. Then third and fourth, it's a lot easier because you're kind of like a, your brain knows how to do oh, it, how, how to, to learn it. it. Okay. Second, third. But um, f- for me, it was a lot tougher to learn the Russian than, than here, you know, the uh, English or Spanish. Now, w- when you think about that, how's, like that has, I mean, we obviously, when we first started, mm-hmm. when Stanford first started, it was, pro- I don't know, 70, 80, 90% Polish, and now it's, I don't know what it is now. Maybe. but. 15%. Yeah, 15, 20, something like that, and, and the balance. So is that, has, that, has that been real positive to be able to speak um, Spanish to our Hispanic community? Oh, yeah, Hispanic it's, community? It, it's very helpful. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I would say it's positive. It's, 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 it, it, with, with my job, it, it, it's helping, you know, um, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I would think. And they must appreciate that, too. Cause oh, they, yeah, they do, yeah. yeah. Not, not easy to do. Um. So we're going to dive into a little bit of Stampede stuff, but before mm. we do that, um, tell me about your family and your kids, and I know we were talking about that earlier, but for the listeners, because uh, we didn't <laughs> include that part of it. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I have uh, I have uh, three kids. I have a lovely l- wife, Teresa, and then um, they are, uh, right now they are in high school. Two of them are in high school. The third one is in junior high, because she's only 12. And what is uh, junior high? Is that, oh, that's like... Is that grade seven or? Uh, it's seven, yeah. It's seven, seven okay. eight. Seven, eight, okay. Mm-hmm. So she's in seven eight. or eight? Seven. Seven, okay. Mm-hmm. She's seven. And then uh, son is in uh, is junior high. And then 
there is a senior high school. Yeah. So beside that, you know, um, they all three of them are swimming. They don't have s they don't have some great uh, success, but uh, uh, but there is there's sometimes they have something, you know. Yeah. Always something there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you gotta keep them. Got them in yeah, but right place. now they don't do anything because uh, you know because oh. of the pandemic. So yeah, they're right. just sitting at home because everything is closed. So uh. hopefully they're gonna be able to go back uh, to those activities when we when everything's gonna be when open. Everything, <laughs> when everything comes normal. And you were saying that your your son is gonna your your son's gonna pursue medical or yeah that's that's the, that's how you would like to do something something kind of like you would like to pick a medical school. He doesn't know exactly what kind of like uh, in which way, but uh, he wanna go to that school. That's cool. Maybe yeah. your daughter, or maybe your daughter, your oldest daughter will follow you and go into business. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> I would say maybe hopefully because right now she doesn't know uh, what she wanna do, so she's gonna go to college and take some general classes and and later on she's gonna go and on what's she gonna do this summer in summer I don't know yet we didn't talk about this oh is that right <laughs> yeah. what you do last summer last summer uh, she stay at home because it was pandemic oh that's right that's yeah. right well we should get her in turning in here so she can learn the business world <laughs> maybe yeah we yeah, put her put to work for so she will see how it is yeah exactly yeah, you never know like sometimes life experiences exactly, kind of yeah. change you how you, you view you things you can meet the people you know yeah. new people and stuff yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of fun for her always positive yeah. yeah um so as you think about the past 25 years what are some of the the positive memories from your time at stampede um you know the things that you you're maybe proud of that you're a part of First of all, yeah, I'm proud of that. That Stampede is, you know, decent size of business. It's 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 kind of like a, uh, I would say maybe overkill it, but huge company. And then I so proud that I was, I was uh, I, I was, part of um, uh, part of the team who built that Stampede. And you know, over time, I can say you know that. I'm contribute to this as my knowledge, my experience. I was able to contribute to this, and we are where you are now. And that's piece of uh, me that that happened. So mm. that's what I think. That's uh, I think a positive uh, thing. And other, you know, it's it's a lot of positive things here. I think it's more positive than negatives. But another positive is uh, uh, which I remember is. Uh, when I was called at the uh, upper management meetings, you know, that was like, you know, I felt like, oh, it's kind of like pleasure to, to, to be in, in the team. And, you know, I think we, after the years, are a great team. And, you know, those are all nine of us. Uh, and not only us, because, you know, that's, we have to say that the uh, uh, other people too, but uh, that was the, uh, one of the uh, challenge for me and, and positive way. I remember Vito Justino telling me that um, the early days when you're, we were doing the leadership team meetings and you were in and I would speak and say, okay, here's what we, oh. and then you'd write down words that you didn't know what they meant in English. That's, true, yeah. That's <laughs> true, because, yeah, I, I learned a lot. During those meetings, yeah, I, I tons of uh, things, you know, I learned uh, on private section and then even, you know, at work, you know, yeah. you always learn from other people, you know, that's the yeah. best way to do it, you know, yeah. that's yeah. how I learned uh, my languages, you know, yeah, through that other was people. smart, it was really smart, um, now, we call you the Don, Peter G and I call you the Don, 
Um, what does that mean? Is it just Vito and I that do that, or is that really how you're viewed downstairs? See, um, the truth is that people call me all kinds of names. You, know, uh, <laughs> you guys call me Dan for because you get different reason to do it. Uh, Spanish people call me Don because uh, in their language Don Cristobal is like Mr. Chris, uh, something like this. Okay. So they call me Don Cristobal. Some of them call me, you know, Cristobal. Some of them call me Chrissy. Some of them Chris. Some of them Christoph. You know, it's a lot of different names. You know, so <laughs> but I like all of them, and you know. <laughs> now, why do we call you the Don? I think because uh, certain things, you know, and maybe some it was not kind of like impossible to do. I make it possible to do, mm -hmm. and then you know you can rely on me if you say something. Hey, it's got to be done this way, so. No matter how, when I go down, we make it happen, and it's gonna be done. You know, even if it's gonna take whatever, but it's gotta be. It's gotta be right. So yeah. maybe that's the reason why you call me like this. Is I don't give up. I yep. it gotta be done. You know, if they cannot find a pallet. You know, they yeah. say, well, it is not in a freezer. Sorry, it's not. You know, when I go there, when I help them to find it, we. That was be, that's why Vito G thought. I think I figured you're running the Polish mafia. That's what I thought. So <laughs> you can call it whatever. But what's important yeah. is Polish it, and Spanish mafia. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, results. You know? Yeah, exactly. So the um, so we we actually operate the business. You, you talked about the leadership team. We operate the business differently today than uh, we did maybe when they started the business. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you talked about more independent decisions that you make, but obviously your team's making more independent mm -hmm. decisions as well. So, you know, compare and contrast what it's like to lead for you to lead mm -hmm. now versus, you know, you know, 15 years ago as an example. The, the, dif the bigger difference is, um, you know, now I feel more kind of like more comfortable to if you have issues I can throw on a table, here it is. We got to come up with a solution. And I know that I'm not going to get, you know, huge consequences for doing this uh, when before was kind of like a more kind of like water what's gonna happen and you know uh, m maybe you know what even in in those days probably I mean, nothing happened but I had in my head that you know I was kind of kind of uh, like water you know nothing ever happened but I don't know yeah. the, I couldn't open myself you know with under new management you know over time I was hey I can say it you know no big deal, you know, yeah. uh, it is what it is. People make mistakes, you know, we're gonna learn from the mistakes and as long as we're not gonna make them over and over and over, that's the problem. But yeah. if you make it once, make it twice, it happen, right? So, yeah, exactly so right. I think I think that's why, uh, otherwise, you know, I don't know how to describe this, you know. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. I mean, it's a, it's a, we have a level of trust and transparency with this team that, you know, lets people you know, kind of get their views on the table and, you know, and let's make people make decisions, both good ones and bad ones, you know, and mm -hmm. or decisions that work and don't work. They're not necessarily, sometimes really good decisions just don't work for whatever reason. And, and you, you you're right, know, as long as we learn from it, who cares? You, you know who doesn't make mistake? Who? Person who's not doing anything. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I always say that, 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 you know, if you don't do anything, that's still a decision. <laughs> it's still a decision. Good or you, bad. Yeah, good or bad. You still decide because <laughs> you didn't do anything, so that, that could lead to a negative outcome. Mm -hmm. So we obviously can't, we can't have a conversation about you and operations without in the last 26 years without talking about the last year with COVID um, as kind of that's been our our nemesis and our 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 set of challenges to work with for probably we're in month 11 of it now as a and in kind of you 
I would say feel it probably more than anybody else. So how is that? How have you kept your energy level up? How has that impacted you as a leader? Given you know you're kind of dealing with this day to day. I think uh, try to be positive. You know that's the uh, uh, that's the uh, key. Bring the uh, positive energy because uh, you know like I know that decent amount of people look at me. You know if I gonna look kind of like scary then that's gonna be you know multiple multiple by two and that's how people gonna feel so yep. i gotta you know say positive and on the other hand you know just be careful do the uh, right thing what we gotta do we got gui- guidelines what we gotta do what we cannot do how we gotta do it you know a lot of things change because we have to change uh, right now it's hard to say if it's gonna be temporary or for uh permanently but uh, we we change things how we kind of like operate you know in the offices in the kitchen so um and try to you know uh, so people got good guidelines here if they could at least do 50 percent what we're doing here at home there'd be no problem yeah there'd be no problem they're gonna do the uh, at least 50 percent of what we're doing here outside the outside the world and then i think we need no problem just be conscious you know because yeah. it is you know no, at the end of the day no no matter what people think you know that this is out there you know that virus is out there you just gotta be careful and conscious, you know, how to, how you handle it. How is, uh, speaking of that, how has it impacted you, like your family and your kids? And like, you know, obviously it's, it's a lot to manage at work, but it's a lot to manage for all of us at home too. As far as, you know, like a virus, you know, personally, I wasn't affected, you know, but I was affected from, because of that, that mean, you know, my kids were sitting home. So we had, you know, that, that built, you know, if, you know, if kids, when we got used to you know go out with friends swimming this and that, but they, they couldn't go they stay home you know how it is the atmosphere sometimes was kind of like a not pleasant but you know we, we had to deal with this you know so we say hey you know few more weeks and it's going to be behind us few more months few more weeks at some point you're not going to be like this forever because if you're going to be like this forever then <laughs> yeah. thank you for life like this but um but that's somehow we survive you know and yeah you know, is it um, what about the Polish community? How is it kind of because I mean it's obviously you know like there's you you're very you have been very involved with Highlanders and the Polish mm-hmm. community and the community center that's exists and all that sort of stuff. Is that all? How has that all played out? I mean, yeah, it it it's got some effect. I mean, Polish community is uh, very social. Mm-hmm. You know, we were several times during the year we were meeting. You know before pandemic of course uh at, at the picnics at the wedding parties at the at, at church every week you know and and then it stopped so what we had option is just you know to, to just call to each other or maybe a little bit on zoom whoever can but that's not the same that's totally different thing so everyone i think uh, it's just got hope that you know someday that's going to be over and then we're going to be able to do the same thing again you know uh that's what keeping us uh <laughs> maybe not life but uh but uh positive thinking and you know polish people got decent amount of businesses and some of them you know go down you know they had they had restaurants they have mm, stores like grocery stores that grocery stores were doing decent but uh like restaurants banquet halls so i feel sorry for those people some of yeah. them some of them did not survive what i'm hearing is you know because yeah it is what it is it's you know we had restaurant they close you for maybe one two months you can survive but then you know so 
I see that some of the places, are even here locally, close. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I I was uh, talking to uh, uh, Blake last night. Blake Miller is our um, uh, one of our VPs of sales that's in the Dallas market, and we were talking about you know just you know yeah it was specific to the Denny's Burger stuff that mm-hmm. they're working through right now, but it, it was we just started talking generally about you know, you know, COVID and how he sees the recovery versus how I see the recovery in 2021. And what I was telling him was, I said, look, you know, like, I, I really think that, um, you know, as things return to normal, like the restaurant, the existing, the restaurants that figure out a way to stay open and, and make it through uh, the pandemic are going to get crushed. Because if you had three restaurant choices, now, you, before the pandemic, now you only have two. So if you have the same demand and you have two or you used to have three, those two are going to be really busy. Correct. So that's what I was saying. And he looked at me and goes, yeah, I don't get that. And I said, what do you mean I don't get that? He goes, we want to go to, we want to, go to a restaurant, we go to a restaurant. Like he's, they literally haven't changed their behavior in Dallas or in Texas largely, which is why their numbers are so high. But I said, Blake, that's crazy. And he goes, yeah, he said it is. And, and then I was talking to another chap in Florida. He's in Florida right now. And he said, you would think, in Southern Florida, he said, you would think that it didn't exist. Like, he said, he said I don't go out, I don't, I don't interact, um, but I'll, I drive by restaurants, like, on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, like, in, in, they're packed. Like, it's like there's no capacity limitation. It's, he said, so the, the, the way the country is treating it is so bifurcated, depending on what state you're mm-hmm. in and the approach that that governor is taking and what the restrictions are. But I still fundamentally believe it's going to come back. Now, what we're facing now, if you look at now, like just a snapshot of now, mm-hmm. we, I mean, two days ago we hit a record high deaths. Uh, we've got this more virulent, you know, more contagious strain now that they've identified that came out of the UK and Africa. I think it's a couple of different places in the world that's mm-hmm. now here, which they're concerned about. We have uh, many healthcare systems that are at capacity. Um, in even areas of the country that are uh, uh, rationing oxygen because they don't have enough oxygen tanks for the ventilators that are people are on. So, you know, and so you, you would argue that this is probably like of all of what we faced over the last, the environment, the community environment we faced and the community spread in the last 11 months, we're probably at the worst possible place we could be at. Like in terms of the amount of stuff that's out there and spread. Fortunately, obviously Illinois is a little bit on the downstroke. So is New Mexico. They're they're kind of you know coming down a little bit too. But you know, in light of all that, and you're responsible for more people than I am, way more people than I am. What would you say to them? What would, if you could, you know if you could sit one on one with them right now? What would you what would you tell them to do in order to protect themselves uh, when they leave this place uh, and they spend time with you know outside of our four walls? I would tell them the same thing as I said. You know, you have guidelines. You you see how we're treating this thing here. So, you know, base it on this. You have some base. You know, take it home, take it outside, and do you know uh, do uh, very similar. I, I don't say you know wear two masks and a shield, but at at least you know at least a mask. At least you know uh, sanitize your hand and stuff which you can do comfortable. You know, outside the work. That's what I would say, because again, you know, it, it's there. And then I will tell them that, you know, few more months. That's what I'm telling my kids. Few more months, it's gonna be behind us. It's gonna be history. But right now we got it. 
we got we, we gotta you gotta treat it treat it you gotta treat it well you know yeah well and the other thing i think uh, you know i would say chris i mean you, you're right a couple months that you know we are it's not as popular as it maybe should be but in terms of the stance that i'm taking around it but you know we we are we, we are classified in 1b which is the next mm-hmm. group of folks to get vaccinated um uh, we we do believe that we're going to be high on that list here in mm-hmm. Illinois and in New Mexico uh, for different reasons, but well for similar but different reasons, um, and we're going to mandate that people get get it. So that's why I, I agree, pretty confident. Like guys, like it's a couple months because we're going to be toward the front of the vaccination. Uh, mm-hmm. You still have to be careful at home. You still have to, mm-hmm. you know, until we hit um, herd immunity where we have enough people vaccinated. Uh, but I very much believe that. You know, we've been you know, our people have been leaders, heroes through this because you know, they had to work through this. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have the ability to social distance uh, to the extent that maybe other businesses do or you could stay at home and do your job if you're a white collar worker. Uh, we can't do that. Right. We have mm-hmm. to be there. We have to touch the product. We have to kind of get it into vacuum packages and get it out to our customer base. Um, but now that comes with responsibility. So we've been allowed to continue to do that and provide food to this nation. Uh, we now have to take a leadership role for this nation and show that it's fine. We're going to go get vaccinated. It is the thing that we have to do in order to beat this uh, vaccine. Um, of course, as serious as, as that message is, which it is, it's very serious and we have to take it very seriously. Uh, th- there, there's been a lot of funny moments uh, for me over the course of, uh, a lot of funny moments over the course of uh, uh, of the pandemic from, you know, Zoom calls to you know, to, uh, you know, things that we did around the pandemic that we thought were short term that ended up going on forever. The, mm-hmm. you know, like there's just, there's just been some funny stuff that's gone on. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious if you look back at the last 10 or 11 months as I know as difficult as it's been for you to lead your group through that, what's the funniest one or two moments you can remember from that time that just things that happened that made you laugh? Um, one moment I would say um, there's a guy who's working here actually maybe he's even here today so this guy um, you know there was a few months ago there was a limited limited amount of toilet paper you could buy right yeah so this guy went to Juul bought uh, two rolls because this is how many we could buy brought them you know go through the cashier brought them into the car and then go back and got bad luck because he, got, he he came across the same cashier the second time. It was the first time. So what she did is she called the security. Then they called po- police. They put him on the side, and they call his daughter. So his daughter has to go, you know, apologize because he doesn't speak English. He doesn't speak <laughs> <laughs> Apologize. <laughs> and <laughs> for the, what happened is, and so let him go. So I think that was the uh, funniest thing. And then because I know her, she called me. You know what my dad did? I said, oh, my gosh. You know, so that was a funny thing. I said, Chris, you should see how I feel embarrassed. You know, when I go there with two rolls of toilet paper, toilet you know a paper they explain try to explain him that you know it's got to be enough for everybody if everyone's gonna do the same thing that oh. <laughs> people are not gonna uh, have enough so i think that was the um, uh, uh, one of the funny the second uh, moment i saw um there was um because i live in orland park park so there's a casco there i was going to the casco and I see a friend of mine he had uh, a, a car loaded with toilet paper and uh, with uh, yeah, toilet paper, so I ask him what that is. Oh, you see, you know, everybody's buying. So that's what ev- that's why everybody's buying. You bought the full car, 
because <laughs> you know uh, it's uh, for how long it's gonna be now i don't know maybe for four or five months you're gonna have in inventory for four or five months and after four months what if it's gonna be no toilet paper what are you gonna do i guess newspaper <laughs> 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 that's what he told me so, so uh, i didn't go that crazy so i didn't load my shelf with uh no with we didn't either paper. i say you know <laughs> I, but i don't know i was thinking why people are buying toilet paper not not something it, else you know it, well but it didn't make any sense yeah. because it wasn't like the flu where you yeah. have diarrhea or something like that that was not one of the <laughs> symptoms maybe they so did. i maybe i don't know <laughs> i just they did. maybe they, they did. were buying what well, was funny because um you mentioned that and and uh, when it all came when it all happened i was in mm. arizona with mm. uh and so was jacob and or roughly, I'd come. I came back, but mm -hmm. Jill was still there when everything kind of shut down. But leading up to it, like I know people in China pretty well, and I know people like in Europe pretty well from mm -hmm. both Italy and Spain. And they were saying, "Hey, this is real. Like you, you got to prepare yourself." Mm -hmm. And so I said to Jill, "This was back at end of February." I said mid February, probably saying, "Hey, look, it wouldn't hurt to, because you're in Arizona, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here at this stage at spring break. Let's just go get." some stuff like food and mm -hmm. um like frozen stuff and and you know probably some you know paper towels and toilet paper and just not like stupid amounts but just enough because you know if just in case mm -hmm. right and she said no that's dumb mm -hmm. like no like we're not like it's not like the food's gonna shut off it's not like the like I, I, you know, she's been in the industry before. She, that's how she started her career in marketing and sales roles. So she goes, I know the supply chain's fine. It's not going to, it might be bruised for a couple of weeks, but it's going to be fine. So, and of course, Arizona got hammered. Like they just, like, they just didn't have food. Like they did not at Safeway, not at any of the stores <laughs> that were beside her. So she literally like got, like she was getting down to literally nothing in the freezer, nothing in the fridge. Mm -hmm. She ended up buying uh, toilet paper from uh, the the club because in mm -hmm. that community we're in, there's a club, mm -hmm. and it's those giant rolls of toilet paper like mm -hmm. we have in here. So <laughs> that's what she was using those giant rolls of toilet paper. Just be, like you know, there's nowhere to put it. Like just yet. on the ground, peeling it off. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I said, anyway, it's pretty funny. And I told so, her I, I was telling um, a John Hatherley. He's the he's the the founder of the firm that 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 owns us, uh, Winchurch, and he goes, oh, I got lots of toilet paper. And I said, well, were you stockpiling? He goes, no, every time I go to Costco, I buy one because I never know whether we have it. And he said, I went to look to see whether I needed any. And he said, I have enough for like a year and a half because <laughs> he said, it's always such a good deal that I, every time I went to Costco, I put it in. I never actually knew how much we had. So I told Jill, I said, if you really need to get some toilet paper, just drive over to his place and grab so a few rolls. This year is toilet paper. And then I remember 1999 was a water. You know, in December, oh, right before yeah. 2000, people were buying water. They were kind of uh, filling containers, yeah. filling beds with water because there's going to be no water. Yeah. Computer is going to get crazy. It's gonna oh, that's no right. Water. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I remember how much planning I was running. Uh, I was running the pol a poultry company, like a primary <laughs> processor at that stage. And we were freaked out because we we're thinking, what if we can't? Because, you know, you have live animals coming at you. If you yeah. can't actually turn your... Mm -hmm equipment on what do you do with those live animals like they 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 have a very short <laughs> shelf life and i'm like oh that was uh, that was stressful it, you know look it's it's um it's good that we can laugh i mean as mm -hmm. serious as we have to take what we do every day uh it's fun to kind of review those stories that are funny that were mm -hmm. part of this kind of whole exercise uh the one thing that i will say 
you know, for me anyway, one of the big silver linings is I've had so much more time to spend with family mm-hmm. uh, than I than I've had in any year in the last probably 25. Mm-hmm. That's I believe you. Because I, you know, how much I travel mm-hmm. and I've traveled like pretty much nonstop for 25 years. So, you know, it's 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 easy to point to the things that are difficult, and particularly now when we're asking people to take it even more seriously at home and and, and, and and be very careful when they're out in the community interacting and they're using, as you said, use our policies. You know what to do. We've taught you what to do. You, I, I always say our people know more than probably any of their neighbors do, any of their friends do, about what this thing is and how to fight it because of what we've, because of how, how stringent and, and how deep our policy is. They need to use that to protect themselves, their family, their friends, um, any distant relatives, like they should be passing as much as that information. They have a leadership role that they can play to help us protect our communities. So I appreciate the message. I know you are doing that messaging with your supervisors, with the leads, even with the hourly team. Uh, it's you know, super critical that because until we get enough of this vaccine out, uh, we're still going to be dealing with it. And it's going to, I think, unfortunately, get a little bit worse before it gets better here. So. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, Chris. You know, thank you for sharing your journey with Stampede. You know, because <laughs> you're kind of you're you're kind of employee one, and um, I'm so very proud of um, having you as part of the leadership team and seeing the impact that you've had on this business uh, in the, I guess it's almost 12 years, a little over 12 years that I've been here now. So, yeah, 11, 12, I think I'm in my 12th year now. So it's um, it's been exciting to see. Um, it's a pleasure. Uh, knowing you and Teresa and your kids, I, I just, uh, you know, we're, we've been very, very lucky to have you in, in your role and and, um, and in the contribution that you've had to the business. And I look forward to uh, spending another 25 years with you. Hope, yeah. And well, what did we say this morning? <laughs> you said 80. <laughs> you said 80. So we're good. Well, it was going to be 85, but, you know. <laughs> I know. Five years I took five life. years. Oh, my wife would say I take away more than five years off her life. That's for sure. I know what, she would. What I want to say, you know, thank you. And you know what? Uh, I should pray every day. Now I'm praying once in a while, but I should every day that, you know, that God put people uh, like you, like Vero, like people around me on my way. Because that's, you know, that's what makes me so happy. And, you know, uh, you, and I would like to because... Um, you ask about my kids. My dream is that 20, 30 years from now, I will sit with each of them, right? With my lovely Teresa, my wife, and each of them will say same thing. Daddy, mommy, I'm happy with my life. I, I, I like my work. I, I, and and I, love, I love my family. Yeah. That's what I want to hear from them because I can say this today. Yeah, that's what I can say. You know, I uh, there's nothing to add to this. That's uh, that's what I like to. Uh, hear. You know, Chris, you're you're. And wh- I think uh, every parent would like to hear something like this. You know, the interesting thing, Chris, is you would think. I mean, that that wisdom that you just shared with everybody that's listening um, is so basic and so true. But we. I do, and I see others, they get caught up in the wrong measurements. Mm-hmm. You know, um, sometimes those measurements are financial. Sometimes those measurements are uh, what car you drive or, you know, kind of what house you have or, 
you know, um, you know what your how many followers you have on Twitter or you know Facebook, um, and all of those things are surface level. You know, are you happy? Do you enjoy your work? Do you love your family? Those three things, I think that's wise. I think that's really wise. I think that's because yeah, you hear some of the people you say, oh, I want my son be a doctor, or I want my son be a be an attorney or something like this. You know, if your son's gonna be a doctor, he's not gonna be happy with that because he's a doctor because you ask him to do it mm-hmm. and he don't wanna disappoint you. That's gonna be wrong because you're gonna be with him, hope, you know, all life, but maybe 10, 15 years, and then he's gonna be on his own. He's not gonna be happy. Yep. He's gotta be happy. He's gotta, that's what I'm, my dream is that, you know, they're gonna make the right choices and they're gonna be happy yeah. with, with their life, no matter what they do. Yeah. No matter what they do, but they gotta be happy. They gotta love their family, and they gotta like what they do. That's the key. It's not. It's it, you know we overcomplicate it, Chris. And sometimes, mm-hmm. unfortunately, as parents, we overcomplicate it for our <laughs> children as well. Um, keeping it, um, keeping that clear for your kids. And you've probably told them that, right? Oh yeah, I keep telling them. You know, no matter what you do, you know, you gotta be yeah, happy. You gotta be happy. because that's how I view it you know always I when I give people advices sometimes people come to my office ask either it's work related or it's outside of work ask me for advice I say listen I will tell you what I would do if I be in your shoes but then you have to decide I wanna I'm gonna decide for you I'm gonna tell you do this way I just gonna tell you how I would you know handle this problem yeah then you go from there and on yeah. That's what I'm telling my kids, you know, yeah. I, when I'm sitting here, I'm so proud of you because I have a kids, but it's like no kids because I don't have no problem. So if you don't have no problem with your kids, then you don't have no kids, but yeah. it's good, good problem. Good right? problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. If you have uh, no problems, you have I no hope kids. that's going to yeah. continue, but that's, you know, and I can't complain, you know? Yeah. Um, again, that's probably because Teresa's doing such a good job. Possible. <laughs> possible. <laughs> I like my work. Yeah. I like what what, what I do. You yeah. know, I can get lovely wife, family. I like love my family, and what else you need? Yeah, you know, a lot of help. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you have your health because exactly. you're going That's to the important. gym. Because you're going to the gym. Exactly. Not you know now it's kind of like difficult, but I know I still kind of like sometimes sneak around. Sneak around. Not well, traffic. <laughs> as long as you're careful. I mean, it, it's interesting. I I. Uh, um, I don't know what I would have done without exercise. So we, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you know, we, you know, we have that small gym in the basement downstairs. So about a year and a half ago, a little bit more Mm. than a year and a half ago, I said to Jill, I said, look, you know, some of the stuff's old in there. It's, you know, with the Mm. treadmill we'd had for 20 some odd years, the other stuff was probably 20 plus years old. Mm. I said, I want to actually go get new equipment, like Mm. a new, new weights, new Mm. bench, new, um, uh, you know, uh, a new, you know, recumbent bike, treadmill, yeah. yeah, a new treadmill, all the rest, a new, uh, uh, an elliptical, a new elliptical, like, so we, we got everything new, uh, and just cause the other stuff was starting mm-hmm. to fail anyway, but we did it about less than six months before the pandemic hit. Wow. So good. thank goodness, because that's, that's what saved me. Like, mm-hmm. cause I get like, I've lost little over 15 pounds since mm-hmm. the pandemic started because we exercise a lot or because of stress uh well i i would i think both uh, but it's the exercise that's really driving off the pounds but it's because 
it's the way that I manage the stress because I found it very stressful. Um, I still do find it stressful. Uh, but what I did was I figured, okay, I, I would normally be in the plane like, I don't know, 10, 15 hours a week easily. I'd be in either in airports or on planes. So I can take that 10 or 15 hours and I can put that into exercise. Now, I can't because I can't exercise that much because I'm too old now. But um, I probably exercise instead of where I would actually say 45 minutes to an hour. Now I exercise like maybe an hour and a half. And so that additional time is what's so, but it, it's the only thing that's kept me in balance. That's kept me, yeah, we all have our mechanisms to balance stress versus, but that's one of the keys for me. Well, Chris, again, thank you uh, for sharing your stampede journey with everybody that's listening. I think it's phenomenal. Um, so happy to have you and proud to have you part of the team. And I am really looking forward to as these restaurants come back on stream, what the operations drew, we're going to, we're going to run hard uh, and yeah. we get, you know, labor more like this week versus the last uh, few months that we've been dealing with. You got it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to Stampede Insights. Join us in the future for new episodes and to meet more of our Stampede Meat family.